0: Let us now turn to the book of Yaakov, Jacob, and most English translations, they have the name James there. Today's message is entitled, Submit Yourselves to God. And I'd like everyone just to think back to the moment in your lives where you came to know Yeshua as your Messiah. God orchestrated that divine appointment. He set the time and the date when you would recognize what Yeshua has done for you. He not only died upon that tree, but he rose from the grave so that you could have new life. And he also desired to give you his spirit. And just think about that. We were in the state there where we were not born again yet. All of us have been there. All of us have encountered that experience. And think about when the conviction came upon your heart as being a non-believer, a person who was not even born again at that moment. Think about that time. It's only by the grace and mercy of God the Father that he revealed his divine provision for you. And this, that's the same provision for anyone, whether you're from the nations or from the Jewish nation. God desired to reveal his will. But we had a choice. God has given all of us a free will. And so when the conviction from the Ruach HaKodesh came upon our hearts and minds, we were beside ourselves. Why? Because finally we realize that this gift was beyond whatever we thought of in, the, in prior days. And this knowledge is a true gift from God. And it was only when we allowed the conviction to come upon our hearts and minds. And to understand the full revelation of who Yeshua Jesus is and what he's done. And with brokenness and contrite hearts. We accepted Abba, Father God's offer for us to have eternal life. We had to submit to Abba, Father God's provision. Now that submitting is an ongoing act of worship no different than when we sing songs of praise or songs of worship, but also we worship the Lord through our daily lives, the choices we make. And so Yaakov, Jacob, is writing, and he's not writing to non-believers. He's writing to those who are going through that sanctification process, because Yaakov, Jacob, had not arrived yet. He had not received his own glorified body. That sanctification process was going on. And so the things that he shares are the very things that he is battling within his own life. He is very honest and transparent. And he's being moved by what? What? His own motivation? No. He's being moved by the spirit of the living God to share about the struggles that are going on in his own life and to let all believers, both Jew and Gentile, know this, that we're going through the sanctification process together and we have to be open to the spirit of the living God to speak to our hearts and point out those areas in our life that need to change he says you're to check your motives you're to check all these things and allow the spirit of the living God to continue the sanctification process but remember this just at the time when we came to know Messiah at the very beginning before we were born again we had that our own free will you still have your own free will as you walk with the Lord, as you allow that sanctification process to proceed. And that's something that we deal with every day. So think of this from this perspective as we begin reading here chapter 4. He's not speaking to those outside the Messianic community, the body of believers, but those that are in. There are many ministers who do topical sermons from the book of Yaakov. They'll hit certain topics, but they will do not do expository teaching. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Because you know what happens on the journey? Their own lives and the sanctification process stands before them as a mirror And there's no escape. And it's not a very popular message that Yaakov was inspired by the Ruach to share. It would be like this. Yaakov is walking outside your village. And he notices there's a fire on one part of your home. It's two or three in the morning. Why is Yaakov walking? doesn't matter at that time in the morning. But he notices that there's a fire. And he goes up and he bangs on your door. You go and he answer the door. And your thoughts are this. I've just come out of a deep sleep. I've had a rough week. I'm trying to get caught up in my sleep here. And all these things are happening. And all of a sudden there's this rude man pounding at my door. And that's all I see him as a rude man. Interrupting my life. How dare he? But then he goes on to share with us. You probably don't know this, but your house is on fire. Your life and anyone who's dwelling within you in your household could lose their lives. Consider this. And then he leaves. You can go back, and if you have loved ones there, and they're saying, well, who was at the door? Oh, this rude man. You go back to sleep. What happens? You lose your life. See, there are so many things in this world that desires for us to lose our life, to walk in deception. Let us hear what the Spirit has spoken through Yaakov and it was written initially to those uh, Jewish people that were part of the diaspora. Who was Yaakov, Jacob? He was Yeshua's brother. He was the head of the Jerusalem Messianic community. And so he's writing this letter. And he knew this, that this was spoken first to the Jewish people who were in the process a little bit further than those from the nations. Why? Because they were already maturing, they already had a relationship with the one God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they should know better, but they needed these reminders. But this would also be copied and then sent to the other Messianic communities. Some had predominantly a larger population of people from the nations. And to let them know, you are being in the process grafted into a community here, there's mostly Jews but they're all going through this sanctification process they haven't arrived yet we're all on this journey together and so if you think of that from that perspective and also you think about this submitting your love to God by submitting every aspect of your life that is a true act of worship let us begin chapter 1 and excuse me chapter 4 verse 1 What is causing all the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it your desires battling inside you? You desire things and don't have them. You kill. You are jealous and you still can't get them. So you fight and you quarrel. The reason you don't have is that you do not pray, or you pray and you don't receive. Because you pray with the wrong motive. That of wanting to indulge your own desires. You unfaithful wives. Don't you know that loving this world is hating God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Or do you suppose that the scripture speaks vainly in vain jealousy when it says that there is a spirit in us which longs to envy, but the grace he gives is greater, which is why it says God opposes the arrogant, but to the humble he gives grace. Therefore, submit to God, Moreover, take a stand against the adversary, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and he'll come close to you. Clean your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded people. Wail, mourn, and sob. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers, stop speaking against each other. Whoever speaks against a brother or judges a brother is speaking against Torah and judging Torah. And if you judge Torah, you are not a doer of what Torah says, but a judge. There is but one giver of Torah. He is also the judge with the power to deliver and to destroy. Who do you think you are judging? Your fellow human being. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go and do such and to such a city and stay there a year trading to make a profit. You don't even know if you will be alive tomorrow. For all of you, for all you are is a mist that appears for a little while then it disappears. Instead, you ought to say, if Adonai wants it to happen, we will live to do this or that. But as it is, In your arrogance, you boast. All such boasting is evil. So then anyone who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it is committing sin. Remember, that word from the Ruach was not given to those outside the Messianic community, but those that dwell within. And you know, if you first read that, there's potential, there can be a lot of confusion and say, what is he even talking about? He can't be talking about us. We're we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We we've been sanctified. Sanctification is a process. It does not end. Until we receive our glorified bodies. And think about this anyone who's lived for the Lord, and the Lord causes them now to enter into that sleep, that rest of being dead, their sanctification process has not been completed yet. Rabbi, how can you say such a thing? Because they have not received their glorified bodies. And when the Lord comes back, what does he f- first deal with? When he comes back for his people, he raises those who died and put their trust in Messiah. And they receive the glorified bodies first. And the scripture goes on to say, and those who are alive at that moment, they're next. That's the process. So there's a war going on within our flesh. And so let us focus here on the first three verses today. So what is causing all the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it your desires battling inside you? Now as we look at this more deeper, because remember this, all the chapters here were added much later. This was all one letter. When someone writes you a letter today, do they have chapter 1, chapter 2? No, they don't. They may have pages, right? So let us take this from the way it was written. And so we have to turn from the very beginning here. And that's Yaakov, James chapter 1, verses six through eight what does this say here but let him ask and trust doubting nothing for a doubter is like a wave in the sea being tossed and driven by the wind indeed that person should not think that he will receive anything from the lord because he is a double-minded unstable in all his ways so he's speaking to believers here that we are to be walking in trust and faith and we're to be inquiring of God. Does chapter 3 give us even more insight? Absolutely. Let's look at chapter 3 here and verse 10. Out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. Brothers, it isn't right for these things to be this way. A spring does not send both fresh. And bitter water from the same opening does it. And so continuing. Can a fig tree yield olives my brothers? Or grape vine figs? Neither does salt water produce fresh. So he's asking them to contemplate these things. These things that you're exhibiting. Should be motivated by love and compassion. Putting one another first honoring one another respecting one another so continuing here so what is causing all the quarrels and fights among you jacob chapter 1 chapter 4 verse 1 isn't it your desires battling inside you for further insight let us turn to the book of matthew and hear what yeshua spoke that was recorded down by Matthew in chapter 7 and beginning at verse 15. See, the message is repeated time and time again. And this is what it says here in Matthew chapter 7 and at verse number 15. He warns them. This is Yeshua speaking. Beware of false prophets. They come to you wearing shoes sheep's clothing, but underneath they are hungry wolves. You will recognize them by their fault, by their fruit. Can people pick grapes from thorns or figs from thistles? What did we just hear Yaakov speak about? The same thing. Remember this, Yaakov grew up in the household where Yeshua grew up. Continuing, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit or a poor tree good fruit. Any tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. And so true believers will produce what? Love, grace, and mercy. Long-suffering. Now let us turn to the book of Romans. Rabbi, we're going to get another workout. That's right. We are to grow spiritually and we're to exercise ourselves in understanding what God's word says. How do we interpret scripture? The best commentary ever written is the Bible itself. Every other commentary is people's opinion. And where people's opinion agree with the Bible, that interprets itself and is the best commentary, then you will glean and you'll gain. But if they lead you astray in another direction, set that aside. Remember this. They too are human beings. But when the Spirit came upon these prophets... And apostles that are included in this book, they did not err in any shape or form. Because if you have read commentaries, you'll find this. There'll be some things that you find that biblically agree with what the Bible says. But there's other things that is mere speculation or someone else's opinion. And that's why you should trust God's word, interpreting God's word in its context and meaning. it's speaking to and the time and the setting. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So here we are in Romans chapter 7, and we're looking at verse number 23. But in my various parts... And you know there are many times I've known where believers will just kind of rush through this verse, but once you hear it read today, it may open your eyes to further come times of, 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 of discerning what God's word says. But in my various parts, I see a different Torah. Who's speaking here? This is Rav Shaul. And he's speaking about what's going on inside of him. In some translations, it says a different law. A law that I live by. So let us examine this. But in my various parts, I see a different Torah. One that battles with the Torah of my mind. And makes me a prisoner of sins Torah which is operating in my various parts what is Rav Shul speaking to here right now he's speaking to this there's a battle going on inside I have various opinions one is the spirit of the living God is speaking to my heart and it reveals what Torah says but there's another law Another interpretation that comes from my old nature. The way the things I used to do. And they're at war with one another. And there are times when we're such in war with one another in our minds and hearts that we don't know which way to turn, which way to go. What is God's truth right here? And how do we find that truth? Do we go and ask our brother and sister and Messiah? No. We go before the presence of the living God who is the Ruach HaKodesh who dwells within us, who leads us into all truth. He gives us both discernment and proper application so that what is the end result? Not my will be done or the will of my brother and sister and Messiah, but the Father's will. Because the one who has been given to us, who is the Ruach, is there to lead us into all truth. He's the one that's intimately doing that sanctification process with us daily. And he's preparing us as a bride without spot or wrinkle. But there are many times we forget about that. Now, here was Rav Shaul, and you think, well, he's already arrived. No, he hasn't. What did his own words say? Has Rav Shaul received his glorified body? No. When will he receive his glorified body? When Messiah comes back and raises him from the dead, then instantaneously he will have his glorified body. Has that struggle ended in Rav Shul once he closed his eyes and went into sleep? Absolutely. What happened then? Immediately his soul and his spirit went into the presence of the Lord. And that spirit and soul has been complete in its sanctification. Because when Yeshua comes back and he brings those beloved loved ones who are planted in the grave will spring forth a harvest when that soul and spirit which has been completely sanctified enters in this body which is of flesh becomes glorified and to get the proper understanding perspective of this when Yeshua rose from the dead they were able to recognize him they were able to Hear his voice. They were able to touch him. Embrace him. And he was able to eat with them. And he's the first of the resurrection. And John wrote. When we see him. In the future. We will be like him. We will not be like Him as being a God will be like him in having a glorified body. That is a hope and a joy for all believers. Have you ever had the experience of closing someone's eyes as they're being ushered into eternity and to share that with them, to encourage them? That you, one day, You will receive your glorified body. But up to that moment, don't don't be afraid. Both your soul and your spirit are going to be with Yeshua, Jesus, right now. All pain, all suffering is going to end. To have the opportunity to encourage a brother and sister as they're going through that process, that's a highly honorable place to be. Having them recognize the hope that's in them. Eternal life. Praise be unto God. Now let us turn to the book of 1 Peter, Kepha, chapter 2 and verse 11. What does Peter have to say about these things that Yaakov is teaching? Chapter 2 and verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and temporary residents, do you know this earth is not your eternal home? Your home is the presence of Yeshua. Are you not his bride? Absolutely. Continuing here. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and temporary residents, do not give into the desires of your old nature. Remember that Torah that Rav is was battling with? Continuing. Which keeps warring against you. Is that a continuous statement? Absolutely. Is he speaking to those who are asleep and resting in their graves? No, he's speaking to those who are alive. And not only for that generation who received that letter, at first, but for every generation that was yet to be born, to be encouraged, to be equipped by God's word. So continuing here. Now let us look closer at that verse number one. So what is it's chapter four of Yaakov? So what is causing all the quarrels and fights among you? Let's back up here a second. Something for your consideration. Remember? The Lord wants us to think for ourselves. So some Bible scholars have translated the phrase among you, the fights and quarrels, into the word they've taken among, meaning a group, now in you. Remember the struggle? The desires of the old nature? So let's consider that. They insist that this verse describes not a struggle between people, that means on the outside, but the struggle going on within people. Two ideas, however, been seen as connected because external conflict is often the symptom of internal conflict. Could you not testify that you struggle from time to time with your own internal conflicts? If you do not, then I question whether or not you're born again. Because you have a born-again nature, a spirit man, and for the lady, spirit woman, and you have this carnal nature that are at war with one another. And it's continuing. So let us continue here. Because the external conflict is often a symptom of an internal conflict. People who are not at peace with themselves are not likely to be at peace with others. Have you ever found that out in relationships? Toxic relationships where you can never please them so you try to appease them and then one day you have to break that relationship otherwise they will destroy you let's take a look here a little closer to what Yaakov James says in chapter 3 and verse number 18 And peacemakers, who sow seed and peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. See, as we walk and submit to the Father's will, we put down our old carnal nature. We allow our spirit man to walk in the fullness that God desires for that individual to walk. Then we become peacemakers. And we have a harvest of peace. So continuing here. Now let us look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. Romans 5 and verse 17. God's word is so enriched. Romans 5 and 17 declares to us. For if the, because of the offense of one man. And who was that man? Our father, Adam. You know what's amazing? We always remember that Eve, our mother, was deceived. But we forget that God the Father spoke to Adam directly and said, you can eat of any other tree or fruit in the garden but you should not partake of the fruit of the knowledge, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and when Eve brought to Adam that fruit and I believe this with my whole heart, I can't prove it from scripture but that's okay, but just consider this I believe that Adam knew exactly what that tree looked like he knew what fruit it produced because anything you know as a, as a child, when your parents says, "You don't touch that," what happens? That's our whole focus, right? And I believe when Eve brought and produced, presented the fruit before him, in my mind's eye, my thoughts can't prove it biblically, but I know my old carnal nature if I was in that situation, I'd probably look at the fruit. Then look at the tree, then take it and take a bite. Act of rebellion, sinning against God's knowledge. With open eyes, open heart, because I believe the lie that if I partook of that fruit, as the serpent said, and deceived Eve, you will be like God. Isn't it amazing? We always want to do things by our own efforts and works, our way and not the Father's way. Praise be unto God. Now, let us turn. Oh, I didn't finish that verse. For if because of the offense of one man, death ruled through that one man, How much more will those receiving the overflowing grace, that is the gift, being considered righteousness, rule in life through one man? He gives us a name there. Some translations, it's Jesus Yeshua, the Messiah. See, he's called the second Adam, the reconciler, the deliverer, the seed that was promised That was given through Eve. Rabbi, women do not have seeds. That's right. That gives us a hint that it was going to come through the Father's plan and His provision. He did not choose Himself to do that, He did not choose His Son to do that, but He chose the Ruach HaKodesh to fulfill that calling and scripture gives detail on that but let us move forward praise be unto god now let us look at verse number two you desire the things and you don't have them you kill and you're jealous and you still can't get them so you fight and quarrel the reason that you don't have is that you do not pray Let's dig a little deeper here as we move forward. Three times, Jacob James explains that those who seek to get what they want through their own devices, instead of asking the giver, Abba, Father God, of every good gift, are frustrated in the process. Why? Because worldly pleasure and worldly works never satisfies You never reach the goal. Next, it is difficult to comprehend in this verse here how killing was taking place. Didn't that kind of jump out at you? I mean, these are sanctified believers. They're killing one another? What what could that mean? All right. So let's look at that verse here. Your desire things and don't have them. You kill because you're jealous. I guess, Rabbi Frank, that does say kill. But what does it mean? It is is difficult to comprehend how killing was taking place within the Messianic community. One possibility is this. That is, the rich were taking the poor to court and stripping them of all they owned. With no resources for food or other necessities, death was inedible, the result. And how do we know this? Out of Yaakov chapter 5 and verse 6. This is a warning to those who are doing this. For while we were still helpless, excuse me, I'm in Romans, Rabbi Frank, get to the right book. How I caught that so quickly is I did that in my preparation a couple days ago. All of a sudden I was in Romans and the wait a second, where are we? There are we? There we are. We're in Yaakov chapter, and I have to look it up here again, chapter 5 and verse 6. You have condemned, you have murdered the innocent. And they have not withstood you. So take that in consideration when Yaakov was speaking. He says this, in your meetings, a man comes and he's wearing rags. And you say to him, oh, come over here and either stand or sit at my feet. But then who comes in next? A wealthy man, he's just wearing gold from head to toe. And you say, come here and sit. Take this great seat. And then Yaakov warns him and says, those outside the Messianic community, are they not the ones who are suing you and taking you to court? And he says that there should not be any partiality in people's status. See, because we live in a culture today where we cannot comprehend what it was like to live in the first century. If you were taken to court by a wealthy person, you could bribe the judge to decide on your account. And if the judge decided, okay, Rabbi Frank, I want you to give now that man your cloak as payment. And night comes. And I have no way to keep myself warm. I have no fire. I have nothing. What happens to the body that becomes weak and cannot sleep? And the next day, I go out in the fields and I help with the harvest, and the sun is beating on me all day. I have nothing to cover my skin, and I'm getting sunburned, and I'm becoming weaker and weaker and weaker. And I'm trying to work. But the man that owns the field, he only pays me a day's wages, which is basically enough for me to get maybe one meal. But I got to go home and I got to divide that meal with my family members. What state would I be there in? Becoming more and more weak. But here it's a brother and Messiah that's brought me to court and sued me so that is the possible explanation where it speaks about killing here in scripture and you can leave that aside or accept that that's up to you so now let's go back to verse number 3 or you pay and you don't receive this is jacob chapter 4 verse 3 or you pay you pray and you don't receive because you pray with the wrong motive. That of wanting to indulge in your own desires. Wait a minute, Rabbi Frank, that's pretty heavy. Well, let's dig into that. You pray with the wrong motive. Not all prayers are pleasing to Adonai God, especially when they come from selfish motives. All tifla, that's a Hebrew word meaning prayer, must be in line with, with God's will and scripture and how do we know this from the book of Yohanan John 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14 you know if we're not praying in accordance to the father's will he doesn't even have to answer us because his heart's desire is to not for us to fill our own will but to fulfill the father's will. So 1 John chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in his presence. If we ask anything that accords with his will. Did we hear that? I hope we did. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask then we know that we have what we have asked from him. But notice, what is the litmus test in this scripture? It has to be asked according to the Father's will. That rules out all my selfish motives. It cancels them out. Otherwise, he doesn't hear my prayer. Why? Because he sees my heart. And I cannot Hide that from him. So continuing, you pray, and we'll close on this. You pray with the wrong motive. There is a heresy current among believers, which feeding off the excessive of individualism and greed rampant in popular Western ideologies. It proposes, supposed to give to God's approval. To selfish prayer. It beckons. If you are a child of God. He is a loving father. And he would. Would not deny his children nothing. Therefore. You can pray for anything you want. And God will give it to you. You want a new car. A bigger house. Fancy clothes. Just ask and it will be given to you. They. Misinterpret Luke chapter 11, verse 10. Besides misusing scripture, they are raising false hopes and making prayer a magic charm that is indistinct from witchcraft. Rabbi, what did you say? Are you comparing believers to actually? Doing the same as those who are doing witchcraft? Absolutely. Is a witch or a warlock ever doing things that is the will of God the Father? Rabbi, don't say that that doesn't give me excuse. That's right, it gives me no excuse either if if I'm not praying according to the Father's will. So raising false hopes and making prayer a magic charm indistinct from witchcraft. This teaching ignores the fact that a true loving father does not give his children whatever they ask for. In your relationship with Abba, Father God, have you ever required something? And he either said no or he didn't answer. After a time, I learned that I was praying not with the right motives. Excellent lesson. And there's time to time where the Lord has to reestablish that in my heart and mind. Because Abba, Father, God knows best. I do not all at all times. So continuing here. So the fact that a true loving father does not give his children whatever they ask for. Fathers know better than their children what they actually need and act accordingly. So the present verse refutes this selfish philosophy as masquerading as biblical teaching as we compare Yaakov's scathing condemnation of the arrogant rich, and we'll end on this today. Yaakov James chapter 4 and beginning at verse 13. This is what it says here. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city and stay there a year trading to make a profit. You don't know even if you will be alive tomorrow. For all you are as a mist that appears for a little while, then disappears. Instead, you ought to say, if Adonai wants it to happen, we will live to do this or that. But as it is in your arrogance that you boast, all such boasting is evil. So then anyone who knows what is the right thing to do and fails to do, To do it is committing sin. Going on to chapter 5. Next, a word for the rich. Now, is he speaking outside the Messianic community here? No, within the body of Messiah. Next, a word (coughs) for the rich. Weep, wail, over the hardships coming upon you. Wait a second. Rabbi Frank, that's not a positive confession what does the word of god say continuing your riches have rotted your clothes have become moth eaten your gold and silver have corroded their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat up your wages that you have fraudulently withheld from the workers who mowed your fields and are calling out against you The outcries of those who have harvested have reached the ears of Adonai Zavaot. And who is that? The Lord of hosts. And why does Yaakov use that here? He's called the Lord of God's heavenly armies. In other words, God is tired of what you have done. He's going to come against you. You have become the enemy of the God Most High. Continuing. You have led a life of luxury and self-indulgence here on earth. And in a time of slaughter, you have gone on eating to your own heart's content. You have condemned, you have murdered. Remember the killing within the body of Messiah? Continuing. You have murdered whom? The innocent. And they have not withstood you. Why is that? Because in the court, a secular court... Before the judge, they had no advocate. But I tell you this, they do have an advocate in heaven that will do justice and judge rightly and judge the hearts and minds of all of God's people. Praise be unto God. Shabbat shalom.